Welcome to the Paranormal Pendle podcast, coming to you from the heart of Pendle Witch Country in the northwest of England. My name is Craig Bryant, author, investigator, and collector of stories. Join me as we take a journey into the paranormal, UFO sightings, cryptozoology, and big cats. This is the Paranormal Pendle podcast. Welcome to episode 32 of Paranormal Pendle, broadcasting to the Paranormal UK radio network at paukradio.com. So my guests on this episode, um, and before we go any further, I'm going to have to apologise for having a horrible cold on this episode. Um, but my guests, hopefully, will uh, make me feel a little bit better. It's Greg Tomlinson and Ash Ellis, uh, hosts of the Pursuit of the Paranormal podcast um, and also the UFO Identified uh, group as well. So, hi guys, thanks for coming on again. Thanks for having us. Evening, yeah. thanks, thanks for having us on again, Craig. Yeah, no worries. It's uh, it's great to chat to you. So obviously, we've sort of got quite a bit to talk about since we last saw you. Um, really, I suppose the first thing I want to talk to you about is your podcast um, and how on earth are you so prolific? Because you've got well over a hundred episodes. Um, I, I, I can't even count them, but well over a hundred, um, and you seem to churn them out like uh, like no nobody's business. So, um, yeah, that's my first question. How are you so prolific? We're crazy. Go on, Greg. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Um, so we just overnight was our hundred thirteenth main episode, and we're at about a hundred and ninety episodes in total closing on 200 yeah yeah and that's we've got we do like the main episode every tuesday we do an episode on the saturday usually um, where we're talking about a pub around the uk we've done different states in america and haunted states um and then we do like bonus episodes we've got we do a round table with some ufo guys on twitter we also just started a paranormal roundtable of which we will be getting you on craig okay <laughs> um, and where we discuss like a particular topic yeah. or topics for rather than just a, a general um chat about things um and we've just started another one once a month where we talk about monsters of the computer game fallout 76 because they are based on real life like urban legends okay. so we we just i don't know we just spend a lot of time a lot of time chatting to each other and just recording stuff it's, it's men mental i'll be honest so who does all the spade work then when it comes to getting the guests because obviously you've got quite a wide range of guests um i mean i suppose the question is how do you find your guests and and who does all the spade work to to get them on the show it's both of us really because i'm the more ufo guy and greg's more paranormal so we'll just mess each other and be like are you free tuesday i've got this guest coming on or whatever and generally we both both sort of know when we're both free yeah so i'll, I'll just be reaching out to people in the ufo field greg's doing the same for paranormal and we just sort of say, oh, I'm going to interview this Sunday lined up and 
that's how we, I just that's how we've done it for two years, and <laughs> yeah, we just seems to always fit on each other's schedule pretty well as well. It's, yeah, yeah it out, just seems out. to work. So it's some sort of really weird sort of. It's almost like a marriage, isn't it? Really. <laughs> I see like, Greg more than I see my partner. Yeah, that's well, likewise. that's, that's uh, yeah, I know the feeling. I, uh, I'd rather see less of mine, to be honest with you. But there you go. But um, <laughs> no, I mean it's it's amazing. I I have you know I do listen to your podcast. Um, I do always try and catch up. Obviously, it's uh, not always easy to catch up on every podcast, but yours is certainly one that that you know I I make the effort to listen to. You got some fantastic guests on there. Um, I'm really interested, actually, in just just what you mentioned about uh, this computer game being based on urban legends. Can you sort of expand a bit on that? Because I've I've never heard of that before. Yeah, I'll take that. So uh, Fallout 76, a very popular Fallout video game series from Bethesda, and Fallout 76 in particular is based around Appalachian Mountains. So it's set around that area in West Virginia, Virginia. And it's just all the folklore around, like, the Mothman, uh, Grafton Monster, Flatwoods Monster. It's all these sort of famous stories from the like, paranormal world are all in the game. So the towns where they are in the game, the monsters themselves are in the game as, like, an enemy or, like, a character in the game. So the series is based around basically looking how each of these sort of monster stories are represented in the game and then looking at the actual true story behind how they became popular. There's about six like real life monsters in yeah. the game. So okay. that's how our series is going to be like look each episode looks at each specific one. Like our first one was looking at the Mothman, obviously very famous. Yeah. Then next month's episode is going to be looking at the Flatwoods monster and, and so on, looking at the real story and how they present it in the game. So it's just been pretty cool because it's, it's one of my favourite video games and it's got all this paranormal folklore in it. As well, so it's just been I thought it'd be a cool subject to sort of cover on the podcast to cover in both sort of interests, really. Yeah, I mean, why why is it then? Do you think that that area in particular has got so many different? I mean, you, you'd call them cryptids, wouldn't you? I mean, why why have they got yeah. that? Many, you know, that many different types of cryptids? Do you think? Hmm. I guess. I mean, I know the cave systems kind of have quite a lot of sort of history around there as well. And um, when you look at sort of where the cave systems are where sort of there's a lot of them like around Appalachian, the mountains, there's, there seems to be quite a lot of stuff going on around there. So if it's tied in with that, maybe there are areas where there are high instances, where mm. you sort of get hot spots around the country or around the world. Maybe, maybe it's all that sort of coming together. Maybe it's the people. Maybe there's more susceptible or open-minded to seeing stuff mm. and then sort of getting that story out there, possibly. So what what's the story then with the Mothman? Because it's something that I've heard I've heard about, but I've not really because cryptids isn't really my um, area of, of expertise at all. Um, although I'm quite interested, you know, in the whole subject. Um, so what's the what's the story then behind the Mothman? So the Mothman um, is a creature that's been seen. Uh, and was seen over a couple of years originally back uh, in, I've got to try to remember the episode now, uh, 75, 76, um, in, in Pleasant Point in West Virginia. And um, it was, it's, it's this creature that stands, I think it's about, about eight feet, nine feet tall, 
with glowing red eyes and it was always seen like a winged creature and it always seemed to be around air times when there was something bad happening um people would see this mothman creature um in there's so for example there was a bridge that collapsed um and they attributed that to the mothman because people had seen a mothman in the weeks and days leading up to to the bridge collapse uh and so this particular town um point pleasant they've got museums they've got statues there's an actual mothman statue um and they've really embraced the uh, the urban legend and it still gets seen people have taken photos and it does look like this huge winged creature basically um and that's terrorized people there were i'm trying to remember the the story now there was um a group of five five people who'd spotted this creature with glowing eyes in the distance uh, and reported back on it and then over the course of a number of weeks and over i think it was about 18 months period that it was spotted several times um by people and basically started scaring the the neighborhood and it became this this thing i think i've got that right actually yeah pretty much and where it sort of gets more creepier is that people that were having these sightings were also like having dreams and visions incorporating with the mothman and they were getting visits from like so-called men in black they're getting strange phone calls saying like don't talk about what you've seen right. so this whole sort of weirdness around the whole thing yeah and then this sort of this, this bridge collapse where i think 34 people died um and then so after that it sort of stopped being seen so they either said that this the mothman caused it or he was like a warning like something's going to happen so it's sort of like a foreboder of, like tragi- a, like for a, bad, sort of, of tragedy of harbinger sort of the harbinger really of yeah yeah, of, of a harbinger of doom, shall we say? It's been seen in Chicago. There's been reports, and that's before something happened. I can't remember what happened, but that was again similar. And then one in even in Russia, uh, where this mothman creature was seen before these apartment buildings all got destroyed, and so many people died. But this mothman was seen like, in the area in the days before. So it's not even that's quite recently. Mm-hmm. It's not even just in the past or in the in the US. It's all over the world. It's been seen. Yeah, that's interesting because I thought it was just a, a phenomenon that was peculiar to um, to America, to the US. It's all over. And um, I mean, it obviously got popularised in the movie, in the book, uh, The Mothman Prophecies. Mm. It's just take, obviously, inspiration from the real events. Yeah. And I think like a lot of things, America sort of owns things. But the, the main sightings were in Point Pleasant and mm. that's sort of what people associate with it. And Richard Gere was the star of the uh, the Mothman Prophecies film, so it, it attracted Hollywood A list back when it was filmed. He was he was still a bit of an A list star. <laughs> yeah, when where um, how far back are we going with that then? That film. Oh, that's a good question. Eighties, I think, maybe. Or... I think it was it was nineties at least. Yeah, I will tell you, Mothman Prophecies uh it was uh, actually 2002 all right okay so what what so, um what other um sort of legends are there then from that area that that are in the in the game then i mean are we talking bigfoot as well or um 
there's no Bigfoot in the game. There's something called the Grafton Monster, which is a big, I mean, it kind of looks like a giant Yeti. Um, <laughs> but it's not like quite a, um, a Bigfoot type creature. And that's a humanoid cryptid again from the town of Grafton. It's known as the Beast of Grafton or the Grafton Monster. And that was back in 1964 again. So same similar sort of time zone as the the, the uh, Mothman sort of being seen. And that was just being seen near water. And then there's also UFO sightings around it as well. So people thought he might have been extraterrestrial in, in right. origin. Similar yeah. to another monster, it's the Flatwoods monster, which Project Blue Book actually investigated as well. So that was officially investigated by sort of the US government on their Project Blue Book um, disinformation project, whatever you want to call it. Uh, again, that's an alien creature saw by, I think it was a young kid originally, or a couple of kids. They described seeing, I think that was red eyes, this sort of monster in, in the woods. Again, people thought that was extraterrestrial, uh, possibly some sort of some sort of alien in Flatwoods. And again, that's very similar in location mm. and around the same time where these things were all being seen. Yeah. So whether they're all connected, whether people are seeing something weird around that time, it's hard to tell, but it's just cool that this game sort of incorporates all these into it. So just for someone like me, I was just like, this is absolutely awesome. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I'll, I'll look forward to them. This should be, this should be really interesting, uh, interesting discussion. So, who who are you going to be talking to about? Are you, are you going to be talking to local people about this, or it's just us giving the information out, um, like we do with our pub crawl. We do it the same with our. American uh, paranormal United States, we would just give the information out, right? Okay. Um, yeah. Based based on the like the the history of that particular cryptid or that particular area, or yeah. So it's just like a sort of chat between between you guys about yeah stuff that you've researched. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, what so what what's happening in the world of the paranormal then, Greg? Because that's obviously your area, isn't it? Yeah. So. Yeah. Any sort of investigations recently, or I did do an investigation on New Year's Eve. Okay. Um, with one of the regulars on our podcast, Mike Earl, um, at a a house that belonged to his girlfriend's family. Um, somebody had died in the property. All sort of weird strangeness and things have been seen in the property. So we had the opportunity to investigate on New Year's Eve, which was the last one we did. Um, so that was really cool. Some A few weird things happened. Um, such as? Such as? Can't get away with that. So, no, okay. <laughs> so there's a particular area of the house where there was more, um, where an entity had been seen peering around a corner, um, whereby like cold spots, just unusual activity had occurred so we concentrated the whole evening around the top of the stairs which was sort of between two two of the main rooms so we spent the evening um doing like spirit box sessions we had an alice box session we had cables we had like rem pods we had all sorts of stuff and as we we're asking questions cat balls were going off so we would change the capitals over to see if they would light up if and it was just that they were in a sensitive area or they were faulty and they interacted even when swapped over there was interaction between the swapped over 
um, cat balls. There was movement detected on the REM pods. So it was it was an interesting evening. Um, nothing absolutely conclusive, but yeah, well, really you, interesting. Do you think that technology does help with investigations? And is it is it something that you're quite keen to use? Yes and no. It has to be the right equipment, I think, mm. because we've discussed it many times on the podcast with many different people about people using apps on mm. phones and and anything where there is a um, a program which spews out words is potentially challenged mm. uh, with the mobile phone apps. I don't put any credence in those at all. I, I can't see how anything could interact with an app on a phone but um but the, the the challenge you've got is that any equipment's only as good as the way it's been built so you've got like a spirit box which is great it just cycles through the um the radio stations and me and ash have had some real positive um interactions with things coming through uh, and interactions where we've been able to ask questions and get intelligent answers. But then you've got some apps or some devices whereby they are based on a program. And I think that can be the challenge because if you were to put all the words of loads of horror books into the vocabulary of a, a particular device, the chances are that you're going to get a word spewed out that relates more to a, a paranormal setting or a horror setting than you would do just a random word. Mm. So it, so a lot of these devices, in my mind, uh, technology is great, but it seems to be that the basic ones that give good responses so you've got like the, the spirit box which as i say just cycles through the um the radio stations you've got the cat balls although they're basic and they aren't they aren't 100 percent uh infallible they they've got issues themselves but that's why if you've got enough of them you can swap them around and and sort of uh try and recreate the the interaction as it were you've got things like dowsing rods you've got video cameras anything that is reliant on its own base technology i think is is useful yeah you've got a voice recorder we've we've recorded stuff and you can play it back and and try and get the evps it doesn't become or doesn't get more basic than than that and i feel that some of those types of technologies are ones that me and ash have certainly found that we've got better responses from yeah um rather than all these fancy sls cameras and all, all manner of stuff that people tout so yeah i think where technology is important is when obviously anything happens you want to capture it from as many angles as possible so like we had an experience in my basement and we were investigating in in my own basement in the building where i live and we had something hit the wall just outside the room we were in and we caught that on camera so you could hear it but we couldn't see it because it was just outside the room mm. whereas if it was just us down there and that happened you got our testimony but nothing else what we had in addition to our testimony we've got the audio of it you can see our reaction you can hear the noise of whatever hit the wall 
yeah. if we had another camera or another sound recorder, just capturing it again. So in this case, we didn't. We only had the one. But if we did have another one, another camera outside facing into the room, we'd have probably caught whatever was thrown at the wall. So I think having multiple sources to back up your investigation, that's where technology for me is the most important. Because you can have like something come through on a spirit box, then you have something happening at the same time on an EVP, or like a REM pod going off at the same time, or a cat ball. And it's just all these puzzle pieces coming together. Oh. So that just, just gives a bit more sort of credence to that you've actually caught something, rather yeah. than having just one piece of evidence, which is good, but yeah. need other sort of back up. So that's for me where sort of technology is, is good for investigation. It's all well and good having like someone who's a medium come in and communicate, mm. but there's nothing substantial to back that up. No. As if you have them, and you also get independent like EVPs saying the same thing as what the mediums come, come through and saying, then you've got that bit of backing up. So that's where it's important for me. Yeah, I suppose if you've got one piece of equipment, then it, it could be um, it could be an error. But if you've got two or more pieces of equipment from well different types of equipment and from different you know different parts of, yeah. of the investigation, so from as you said, from outside the room maybe as well as inside, then that tends to cut down that margin of error, doesn't it? And it it adds a lot more credence um to to the evidence that you've got have you got any um any coming up in the future that you're particularly looking forward to or uh, do they tend to be more sort of ad hoc uh, with the with the paranormal investigations it is fairly ad hoc now whether weather's been particularly well winter mm. when the weather starts getting a bit better that's that's a good opportunity i've got a local place near me um, which is good for outdoor investigations but at the moment it's I've done investigations in people's houses um, private houses that that's good um, which is not people always have, easy to do is it? it's not always easy to get into these no things. no it's not and that's only when they've contacted mm. the, one of the other groups I belong to um, so with the with the paranormal stuff it is pretty ad hoc whereas me and Ash not last year the year before we we met up at canic chase and we've talked about that before i think um so we it'd be good to i think we're going to try and do something like that again um this year uh, and hopefully get a sky watch at the end of it rather than cloud and rain but well yeah we are talking about the uk aren't we so <laughs> very it's very rare we get nice clear clear skies is it i mean that was good, something i was going to ask you about Ash, actually about the um ufo identified group obviously um i mean i've not been massively involved in it i just watch it from from afar really with the you know facebook things and that and i've noticed how, how massively it's grown again over the last well couple of years really is it since yeah. you since you started it um i mean you've had your, your own conventions you've had your you have you know regular meetups um i mean again you know how's that expanded in, in in the way that it has over the last couple of years it's been phenomenal like when i started sort of the, the sort of the, the name the group ufo identified in like april 2020 because i was on furlough same with stories a lot of people yeah all the time on our hands let's do something i'm interested in like just in a hobby and something a bit more real and then since then i mean I can't even imagine being where we are now to just me having that little website on my own all them years ago. 
Like I say, we've had two sellout conferences in the Northwest. Uh, the team is now four of us that run the website and the group because they just couldn't, the workload was just too big. Mm. Uh, we have regular meetings, we have at least two meetups a month <clears> around the Northwest. One's usually a Skywatch and one's a more, either just like a casual meetup in the pub or we do like events with talks and speakers on a certain topic. Uh, we have a, like a membership group uh, where you can join and then come along to our events for free, play a part, help out on the website. You have people that do guest articles for the website. We we take UFO reports and that's, I mean, that's the bulk of the workload. I never imagined getting so many reports that we do from all, all over the UK. Mm. And I'm not sure where a lot of these people find because we are very Northwest centric because that's where we, we all live. Yeah. We get reports. We're very popular in Scotland. Um, I think I was, I was on Howard Hughes a couple of years ago and then I'm always in the, well not me but the group's always in the daily record yeah 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 so we just seem to get a lot of, got a lot of Scotland members and we always get UFO reports coming from Scotland we have quite a close relationship with the police up there because they do they when they say don't investigate UFO signs they do like I have to prove that they do um, but yeah it's just growing <laughs> a bit. and this year we're going even bigger uh, we've got bigger conference plans for October something in the summer happening as well it's going to be like a first for like UF, UK ufology. Oh. Uh, it's to be like announced soon. Got a book coming out in the next couple of months based on sort of reports made to us. These are exclusive, like detailed sightings that have never been released before. So that's coming out soon. It's just, it's massive. And like I said, we have Steve, Abby, and Natalie helping me out with it. And without them, we couldn't have done what we've done. It's just incredible, like to see. Look at the web, like the figures. So we have the database of the biggest database of current day UFO sightings in the UK, and it's a massively popular sort of website where a lot of people come to get this information because it's the it is the best place for it in, at the minute. It only starts in 2020, that's why I call it current day. Mm. But like we just finished like wrapping up 2022, and there's like almost 500 reports made in the UK last year that we have all collated, analysed. All the data is there on our website to look at. Mm. And that's what the book of our stuff is. And that's why we have the membership scheme, because like the way how big the how big the website and database is now is not cheap to to run these things. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean in January is when we had to renew the website again for another year. So, oh my god, this is every year it was it's in it's in the hundreds every year. Yeah. Uh, so that's the only reason why we have a membership scheme, because mm. it allows us to actually do it, because we all when we investigate sightings, we go out to the witness, we interview the witness, we go to the location where the sighting was. We do all that all that out of our own money, out of our own time, just for the love of it. And that's why we do it. So obviously these things aren't aren't free or cheap to do. But we do do it and then obviously we do things like the conferences which are massively popular. Mm. I get messages all the time when tickets go on sale for this year's, like soon. So yeah, it's just I, I can't even it's just mad when I think about what we've actually done and what we've achieved in the last couple of years. So can you um, sort of give us any clue about where the, the the one in October is going to be held or who you've got lined up at the minute? Uh, yeah, I can, I can do an exclusive, actually. We've not announced <laughs> our first speakers yet. Um, so the venue is very, very close to being confirmed. It's likely to be the Merseyside area. Could we did The first one was in Preston, up in Lancashire. Yeah. Last year it was in Manchester, so this year we're sort of going to Merseyside. If that falls through, we'll be back in Manchester, but if that venue confirms, then we'll be in Merseyside. That'll be announced soon. And the first speakers that I can confirm 
will be um, Vinnie Adams from Disclosure Team and Dan Zetterstrom, Zignal. And they've both been and are going back to in April to Colombia, right. investigating the what they call the dancing lights in the, the Colombia mountains. They've got a series on, I think it's on Amazon or somewhere where you can watch a series about these documentary about these lights in Colombia that are quite famous. They've been in Colombia research now. So presentation is going to be on that work they've been doing in Colombia. And then we've got many more to be announced very soon, but that's a, I'm not told that anywhere public yet. So oh, uh, well, our first speaker, exclusive for the Paranormal Pendle podcast. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's not very often I get an exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, it is, I, it, it's grown massively, hasn't it? It really has. And, yeah. and it's, it, it's interesting you mentioned, I mean, you, you sort of mentioned, you know, the, the number of 500 for, um, for reports. I mean, I'm sure... I'm sure there are a lot more sightings as well, and hopefully, I mean, I know it's going to be a lot more work for you, but you know, hopefully this year there'll be even more. I mean, there was a there was a report released. I had a, a, just a very quick look on on Google before I came on actually, um, and there was something about some um, figures that have been released in America um, in the last week about. Um, sightings that have been reported to the US government and again they were talking in the number of 500 yeah. minimum and then hundreds more that they still haven't had chance to to sort of even look at or catalog so i mean why do you think there are i mean obviously you know it's a test it's it's a testament to you and it's a testament to your website and it's a testament to the fact that that people obviously you know trust you in order to be able to come to you and say look you know i've had i've had this sighting but I think if, if we're talking worldwide, certainly over the last few years, there have been a lot more sightings, haven't there? Um, and I'm just wondering if, if you've got any sort of, you know, any thoughts about why that may be. So, yeah, so the first sort of thought on the on the number for like for last year is almost 500. If we take off the sort of premise that only 10% of sightings actually get reported, because this is based on, so we get our database, our information from like MUFON, National UFO Reporting Centre, all these sort of other databases, we collect that all into one, plus our own reportings. We get around 100 a year to just UFO identified. Mm. So if you extrapolate that as if that's only 10% of what's actually being seen, that number's more in the 5,000 you've seen just in the UK. And that's like a, a huge number when mm. you think about it. Yeah, that's um, true. So like say in America, you've got the sort of congressional hearings going on. You've got this new law being signed in the new office called Arrow which is what you're talking about, that report came from them, talking about these sightings that are made in restricted airspace. So this is just reports just made by pilots and like radar operators. That number of 500, that's since, I think it's March 2021, I think that's from. So it's only less than two years, like 500 mm -hmm. reports they're basing. That's a hell of a lot, and that's only from military officials. And I think mm -hmm. with all this sort of legislation coming through, and they're trying to destigmatize the whole subject so that these military people can feel like they can come forward and tell a story without any repercussion. Mm. If that's coming over sort of over here, maybe that's why we're seeing more sightings because it is getting destigmatized. You're seeing it more in the press, but less of a joke. It's more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. NASA's investigating it now, US government investigating it now. You've got Harvard professors, scientists, all big names. Mm. putting their name forward saying there's something to this we're going to spend the millions of pounds every year investigating this so i think that has probably helped and i think that is coming over here now a little bit um i mean 
when you think of the US government spending millions and have done in the past, like we know all these projects that they've done for the past 70 years, mm. they're still pumping money into it. They, there must be something to it. There's, yeah. You wouldn't keep funding tens of millions of pounds every year. And then with NASA, which is about space exploration, they're now involved doing their own UFO study. I mean, would all these people get involved with those if it's just nothing to worry about? So whether that is why sightings are increasing. Yeah. I mean, there was, I mean, there was a bit of a drop in 2020 initially, but then 2021, 2022 have, in the UK at least, sightings have shut up and I've, we have that data to back that up. Yeah. On our websites, we have that information that we collect. So, I mean, that, that could be why. Yeah. I think... Uh, I was yes. gonna say, yeah. I was gonna say, I think also you've got podcasts like this, podcasts mm. like ours, all the different um, social media platforms, which mm. good and bad um, for different types. But you you got people like Joe Rogan, for example, the number one podcast in the world, and he's getting people on there talking about UFOs. He's had like Bob Lazar on, he's had Ryan Graves, um, he's had all manner of people on there talking, uh, legitimately talking about UFO experiences. Mm. Um, so you you kind of think that the, the 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 mass population are listening to that and going, oh, actually, and they're speaking to their friends and going, talking about it. Whereas when I was a bit younger and there was no podcast out, mm. I mentioned the word UFOs and all my mates thought it was bananas. <laughs> they did. Whereas now you can have a conversation with somebody at work about UFOs and it, yeah. it it's not quite as weird as it used to be. No, I, I, I think you're right. I think the, the stigma has been removed, mm. um, certainly over the last 10 years, shall we say. Um, and, and, you know, I wonder, Greg, what, what do you think from a paranormal angle? Do you think that it's the same with, with the paranormal? Do you think that stigma has been been taken away from that in a, in a similar fashion. Yeah, but I think as much as it pains me to say it, that I think it all started to get destigmatized, for want of a better phrase, uh, with Most Haunted 20 years ago when they started releasing it. And it really annoys me to say that. But you've That's got... It's an interesting but, conversation about more salted, I think, isn't it? Oh, Christ, like, don't even <laughs> get me started there. But you got programs like that that started to bring it into the mainstream. There were programs back in the day, and I was I tagged Ash in um, Arthur C. Clarke post that somebody put up the other day in one of the paranormal groups, and people used to be like, I used to be scared to death watching that program, which. Yeah. I did. It was freaky as hell because there was no way of like getting any information apart from going to your local library or seeing anything in the paper. Yeah. So um, I think most haunted pushed the the mass sort of destigmatization of the paranormal, and then you've got um, all the different paranormal groups in America or the TV programs who have sort of sensationalized it a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got people like Danny Moss now, who's a friend of our show, um, who's now got my haunted hotel up in Cheshire that they record and video 24 uh-huh. seven. Um, people can pay to do their own investigations there. Everything's recorded. All the rooms are 
kitted out with cameras, night vision. They've recorded some exceptional stuff. And his group, Haunted Hunts, when they were doing their their show, um, they've captured some great, great footage. So it's people like him who is very, he's very clear on his um, perception of the paranormal community. And he's yeah. spoken at length with us about it is a toxic place the paranormal community is weird yeah absolutely. you've got all, all these people putting up absolute rubbish posts on facebook saying what can you see in the background and it's just like what can you see in the background rather than asking people so you ask 100 people what they can see and they can probably all see something's different 99 people say something different won't they? yeah so i think the paranormal community has got a long way to go before it's as open and um as, as such like the ufo side and we we talked about this on the podcast that there isn't a public um sort of paranormal investigation department at the pentagon like there is with the ufos um men in black maybe but of course you know yeah men in black some of the do, do, do you not think that the the paranormal is is just the whole subject is is open to abuse a lot more than than ufo investigation um simply because you you don't there's there's a phrase isn't the paranormal for profit so you've got a lot of these groups that are set up purely just to take pounds or dollars out of people's pockets um and you know stick stick them in an old house that's supposed to supposedly haunted and people pay you know 50 60 quid or whatever 100 quid sometimes even more than that expecting to see a ghost or to hear about hear a bang or expecting to hear something and a lot of the time it's a self-fulfilling prophecy isn't it whereas you know with with the ufo community there isn't to me there isn't that potential for abuse of people or, or taking people more for a ride because it, it, it's it's a different it's a different mindset i think what 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 would you say to that what do you think of that yeah i mean i guess with the sort of paranormal i think people are a lot more emotionally involved than you are because yeah. you see some lights in the sky that that is what it is mm. but you've got people who lost a loved one you're talking about seeing the spirits of people that have, that have died and all this type of stuff and yet yeah. obviously like say sort of a panel for profit where you got very vulnerable people mm. who could be desperate to hear from someone that they'd lost and yeah. people will prey on that because as soon as money's involved people will prey on any sort of it in the can see all sort of scams in every walk of life but in this obviously it's just very personal and you see the post where someone just say say yes for a reading in the random group and get like 500 comments everyone saying i'll have a reading and they're all getting messages and obviously it's, it's not free for, for these readings and and that's not sort of the way when someone's doing that you think this this person can't be legit and like i say with, with ufos i mean you, get, you have sort of when you get to closer more close encounter experiences like abductions and stuff like that it can become thingy but they're a lot less common than it is to someone who's seen a ghost mm. or things that they've heard noises and think there's something some something in the house so i think that side of it is, is very difficult because I think it's a lot more emotional for the person than UFOs would be, where it's more that disconnects there. 
that, yeah. that, that they have with, with ghosts, rather. Yeah. I mean, mediums have always, you know, the whole thing of mediumship has always been open to to um, uh, to abuse in, in, in that way, hasn't it? You know, um, going back even, you know, back into the 19th century during the Victorian era, um, you know, there were there were a lot of very um, it, it was almost a parlor game, wasn't it, for people to get together and you had a medium and, and they would talk to the dead and all this sort of thing. And, you know, I think we'd probably agree that 99.9 times out of 100, you know, it's 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 not real. You aren't conversing with somebody who's who's passed on to wherever people pass on to. Um, but do you not also think that that some of these claims of abductions um, can sometimes be a little bit spurious as well? And obviously, I'm not going to mention any. I mean, I've got my own uh, thoughts about ones that I've read about, and some to me are a lot more credible than others. Um, but do you not think that some of those again? is individuals who are using this to, to you know to generate money income um sell books you know go on tv shows and 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 keep regurgitating the same story when sometimes they sound less credible shall we say than others that definitely i mean when like i say whenever there's money involved sort of got a look where is this money trail going Mm. And you sort of find the source of that money, and then is that why this mm. story is there, or did the money follow the story, yeah. or did the story follow the money? Yeah. And then why, where this originally happens? We've spoken to people that have some remain anonymous, where they've telling us similar like stories, but they don't want the publicity, they don't want people to know the name, they don't want to go like public with it, they don't want to go in the box, they just want to tell someone about it. Yeah. And they've got nothing to gain from doing that. No. Whereas you get people who will be all over social media mm. and stuff, which, which, I mean, it's one of them where it is obviously it's experience of them. So you, you can't really tell for sure whether or not that actually happened. It could be, I mean, our, the mind is an incredible thing that we don't understand fully. They could have experienced that in the mind and 100% believe that it actually happened in the person. And then you have like mass sort of shared experiences, shared hallucinations. Mm. can happen so again because someone experienced that with you and you both saw the same thing or experienced the same thing even though it didn't actually happen mm. it still happened to you so you might think that happened and i mean i don't you know begrudge people making money some people gone through some terrible terrible things happening to them that mm. has affected their life mentally and they're not made to work and all sorts of things so yeah if they got a story to tell get made into a film they can spoil themselves a little bit off it. Fair enough. And then obviously yeah. you do get the, the 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 grifters, the people that. And then the more you torturing, the more fantastical the story becomes. Yeah. The more it goes on, and they remember certain things they didn't remember last time, and things like this, you start to think, yeah, maybe this guy. Yeah, you shit. can you can tell the ones that are genuine, can't you? I suppose, and um, you can tell the ones that are just making it up on the hoof, really, more than anything. I mean, you know, when I mean, you're talking about grifters, there are certain, um, to my mind anyway, and again, this this might be a bit of a controversial statement, but, you know, to my mind, there are certain experts in inverted commas within both fields, both paranormal and, and UFOs, that are just in it to make, make, make a fast book. Um, and you seem to get the same ones popping up time and time again. Yeah. Um, you seem to get the same names popping up time and time again. 
and it's quite interesting sometimes when you go on certain Facebook pages because there are the it seems to be quite toxic between certain um certain people um you know there's 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 quite a bit of friction between between certain experts and and sometimes it, it can become quite um i think bitch is probably about the best way to best way to describe it so so yeah i mean i, I try and um uh, not get involved in that sort of thing and and i'm sure you guys feel exactly the same way you know it's all about um genuine um sort of research isn't it you know without getting involved in you know all the silliness but but no you're right i mean greg you're right in what you say going back to most haunted you know that's where it all started um and i think a lot of people uh certainly certainly on the paranormal side of things saw pound signs um or dollar signs when 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 they saw that um and it's just spawned so many um copycats and it that you know you watch some of them and, and and they are just you know they're almost comedies aren't they really um it's it's a shame because people who are in the community and go to paranormal investigations for example and you might go to one place and nothing happened whatsoever mm. but because the tv show has got to have ratings it stuff has to happen and you with most yeah. and with most haunted um <laughs> i'll use that as the prime example is that they'd become so big that it was almost expected that stuff had to happen yeah so yeah you had to have bangs didn't you? you had to have things being thrown you had to yeah. have you know um certain members of the team in a dark room having panic attacks and yeah yeah. It was it was very formulaic, wasn't it, towards the end? And of course, you know, there was the issue with um, you know, the the medium that they had on at the time, who, who we all know who I'm referring to, but you know, I mean that probably didn't help, did it? <laughs> <laughs> the rope the rope issue on um on yeah. uh Halloween when they did the live at thirties drive that that was the the nail in the coffin for me they had like a knife just appear in the sofa yeah. and i'm like oh my god i've i've never known a, a like a, a paranormal place mm. where so much happened with one sort of crew or investigation team on one night but, I remember um, one they did actually. the The first live one I saw was um, was it was actually a Halloween one that they did as well, and it was Pendle Hell, um, you know, play nice. play on Pendle Hill, mm -hmm. and they were in a, um, <clears throat> I think it was supposedly Tyndale Farm, which is one of the locations where apparently you know some of the characters in the Pendle Witch story um, lived. And it's it's an abandoned farm now because apparently nobody will live in there because you know it is so haunted. Um, but you know they were channeling um, every name in in the Pendle Witch story. You know they were channeling Demdike, they were channeling Chattox, they were channeling um, Alison Device, they were channeling Jeanette Device, and you know it, it, that's not how paranormal investigations work. You'll know that. Mm -hmm. as, as as well as anybody you know you can you can probably spend an entire month in a so-called haunted location and nothing at all will happen mm -hmm. and yet these 
TV programmes are going in, you know, for one night and all hell's breaking loose. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it, it'd be like you, Ash, you know, doing one of your sky watches and seeing things flying across the sky that you couldn't explain once every 30 seconds. You know, it's mm. just not going to happen, is it? It's not yeah. it's not feasible, you know, so. So, yeah, it's it, it's an interest. It is an interesting topic, isn't it, really? Mm. Yeah. About it's that it's where that line is between sort of fantasy and reality, isn't it? Really, more than anything. Definitely. That's interesting. I didn't expect us to go down that road with <laughs> with this uh, with this chat, but no, that's that's it is really interesting. What's um when when's your next sky watch then, Ash? When when are you going to be doing another sky watch? Uh, it's going to be one on the end of towards the end of February. I think the last weekend in February that I'll be in Manchester. Um, and then if anybody wants to know when we're doing stuff, then just head to the website, ufoidentified.co.uk, and we have a list of events on there. Most are free to attend. Uh, we only have a, there's a small sort of donation, if you like, when we have a speaker just to cover the yeah. expenses of getting the, the speaker travelling from wherever we're travelling from. And then, like, say we are, because we do get reports from all over the UK, this year we are looking to expand, because we can investigate reports in the northwest thoroughly. We can go and speak to the witness interview on camera if they wish to go to the site and location do a thorough investigation when we get reports from london or southwest we can't get down to cornwall and investigate a sighting so we do what we can from like a desk investigation yeah but what we aiming to do if identified is basically expand so that we have people in around the uk that they can go and investigate in person and we can do proper investigation because these people are trusting us with their stories yeah, yeah. and they're sort of trusting us. They could report it to, to MUFON, to New Fortune before her. Mm. They're choosing to give their story to us. I don't want to sort of do a disservice by not thoroughly looking into that and getting, not an answer, but sort of saying, yeah, we've heard your story. We're listening to you. And this is what we, we've done, basically. Because that's, I mean, why we started UFO Identify was to give someone that place because as I wanted to join a group, it, like local to me, especially with the history of the Northwest, I just couldn't find a group. So that's why I started my own because I wanted to do the research, wanted to get involved, and there just wasn't anything going on. So I started it, and obviously the hunger's there as we've seen mm, the, the growth. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And, and initially, when you sort of talk about sort of bitching and arguing in the field in between different groups and people, my idea initially was I was in the Northwest, so I could link up with already established groups around the UK. So if I got a sighting in Cornwall, I could pass that to a group based in Cornwall. Yeah. So they can investigate it. And then if they get one up in the Northwest, we could all work together and have like this network of yeah. groups of established researchers and investigators sharing information and helping each other out so that, because we all have the same aim of investigating, trying to find out what's been seen and helping these people that have had experiences. But so I tried to sort of create this network and people are like, yeah, but, I'll do it, but I'm not working with this person or I'm not working with that group. And it's just, I was just like, what? it's just ridiculous the amount of ego and all this stuff going on. You see it on social media, like you say, you see the same names popping up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just like, they're selling the book or they're trying to get clickbait for whatever uh, YouTube video they've done and they're not actually doing any real work. It's just, it's grifting. Grifting, isn't it? Yeah, it's grifting. So basically, you're looking for roving reporters, aren't you, for the group? So if if anybody's listening to this who um, are based outside of the northwest and they fancy being one of your 
roving reporters to um, to drop you a line. Yeah, that's it. Head to the website. We'll be opening up like a, sort of an application on there soon, and then we'll obviously get in touch and see, give more information on how we plan to sort of roll that out across the UK. Good stuff. Why do you think there's a lot of sightings um, up in Scotland? Um, maybe there's a lot of military testing up there. You've obviously got some quite a few base up there. You've got the RAF McKin Tosh, whatever it's called, which is like sort of the UK's yeah. AU 51 where they do the testing and all stuff up there. You've got nuclear bases up there. Now you've got a lot of places where there's not populated cities, so it's a perfect place for militaries to do the testing. Yeah, uh, of new planes. I think that does explain quite a lot, a lot. of stuff, mm. especially up when you get sort of like more towards the highlands. You see a lot of stuff up around the, the sort of North Sea area up there. I mean, we have reports of things coming out of the sea, going into the sea, mm. uh, which is always unusual because um, then you think, what what was that if that's coming out mm. of the water? But I think it is because, especially compared to England, it's not as densely populated. Yeah. We're still seeing a lot of reports. So in that like that could be why there's a lot of military which is what people are seeing yeah no it's, it's definitely definitely a good point that i think um i think the lack of lack of populated areas and um the military testing that goes on up there i think is is probably one of the big um one of the big factors to to a lot of sightings however i'm sure that there are some genuine sightings that, that you really can't um, explain away. I mean, I'm sure you've found that with with many of the reports that, that you've yeah. investigated. Yeah, and some of the more famous ones, like the A70 abduction, is an absolutely fascinating case. Uh, Malcolm Robinson investigated that one. But I, I, when I went up to Glasgow recently, went across, so drove on that exact bit of road where that abduction story took place. And I mean, them guys both went under hypnosis separately, both came out with the same story. You know, like it was all separate and they had um, sort of physical stuff happening afterwards and fantastic story. And around that area, you got like Bonnie Bridge, the A70 incident, the Declan Woods, famous Robert Taylor incident. They all sort of in the same sort of area uh, near Edinburgh. Again, I mean, that's probably the more populated part of Scotland. Mm. I've got these sort of famous cases. But there is, yeah. like you say, there's many more. Some of the ones we get. Just like say things coming out of water and crafting scene going in the water, it's just yeah, it's just mad. So basically, 2023 is going to be a big year for for both you guys, um, both individually and with the prolific podcasters. I, like. I don't know where we get the time. I literally <laughs> have no idea. Work full time and still podcast mm-hmm. UFO well, stuff. I, I think I think your dedication to. Um, to what obviously you're really passionate about is is you know is admirable um to both of you really because you both you know obviously put the time and the effort in and and it shows because it's it's a quality podcast um you know the stuff you do actually as well with with your group i mean you know how ufo identified has grown over the last couple of years especially since you know i mean people forget it's only been a couple of years and it really since we're in lockdown and and the way that that's grown again is is testament to to your passion as well for, for that subject so i think it's uh i think it's great i think i think you've got a burgeoning empire between you and it's uh it, it's great it's great to watch from a distance it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you again guys it really has it's always really interesting um we always end up going a little bit off pace don't we and, and talk 
talking about stuff that's slightly off the wall, but um, I think it's good. You know, we've we've got similar views, I think, and we've got similar interests. And yeah. like I say it's um, it's been great to watch to watch you guys. You know, um, forge ahead with with what you obviously love doing. So it's been a pleasure talking to you. Very Likewise. quickly, very quickly, where can we find again? Um, UFO Identified is on Facebook. Yeah, and you've also got the website as well, Ash. So it's ufoidentified.co.uk because I can see it on your, oh, on your merchandise. You have, have a merch store. Yeah, yeah, you have a merch store. You have mentioned that. Yeah. Um, and obviously the, the podcast is available on all good podcast platforms. Everywhere, everywhere. Yeah, if you go to linktree.com forward slash pursuit of the paranormal, it's got all of the places that you can listen to the podcast it's got the merch store it's got everything else as well our newly designed the website it's got articles and yes well. yeah yeah you can listen to all the shows on there Fantastic. yeah yeah great stuff right guys well thanks very much again thanks for coming on thanks for taking the time to chat anytime and, um we'll catch up soon and take care thank you again thank you see you soon you can visit my website at www.craigbryant.co.uk. Paranormal Pendle will return, and remember to keep watching the shadows. <laughs>